Hello, everybody, and welcome to the I Think It's a Classic podcast once again. I'm your host, Tana Scale, and joining me is the ever-lovable John Brummer. John, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing awesome. Stoked, as always. Whoops, that was an abrupt cut. Stoked, as always, to talk about today's album. But before we get talking about that, uh, how have you been lately, John? What have you been up to? Uh, I have been good. I mean, there's a new King Gizzard album coming out soon. Which there's I am always a new about. King Gizzard yeah, album coming out it, soon. It's been three months, so there's another King Gizzard <laughs> album coming out soon. Um, I uh, watched a documentary on my favorite subject, Michael Jackson, which was the feel-good movie of the year. Oh, come on. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to pass on all that. I, you know, I didn't even, did not even mean to make that pun. Yeah, John. I understood what you anyway. mean. You were trying to comment on how it was actually very dark subject matter, but then maybe the term feel good isn't the best, you know. Yeah, but you know, that's why. Just to clear I'm that awesome. up for you, I get what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hold on, I need to go throw up for ten minutes. Yeah, and the listeners, uh, please stand by while I cry in the shower for the rest of the show. <laughs> um, other than that, I uh, been good. You know, just doing my thing. Although <laughs> yesterday I was in the grocery store and I had to wonder as some lady who was about. I don't know, 50 feet away from me, and she came clopping towards me with the loudest shoes ever. If uh, some people make a conscious decision to uh, get noticed that day by wearing the loudest shoes ever made. <laughs> like, what? Other than that. What, 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 what? Are they, what were they, like wooden, like clogs? Like, the, I, I think so. I think they were like Dutch clogs would wear. that, like, that had, you know extra weight put on them so you could really hear them clip and clop from you know a mile away <laughs> it's like the adult version of those uh kid shoes that light up when you step down on them. exactly like uh, she might as well have walked into that store and been like hey everybody look at me <laughs> or like those uh basketball shoots for shoes from that state sketch you want yeah. shoes that make piggy sounds when you squish down on them <laughs> I missed that show. <laughs> it was pretty great. Yes. Where else are you going to see a show about $240 worth of pudding? Worth of pudding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you're going to ask yourself, Barry, where'd you get $240? You don't need to know. Ain't your concern? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. That that brings me back. That's just funny that we've been doing state sketches pretty much our entire friendship. I yeah, remember when yeah, we did the I, Taco Man sketch in a speech class in high school. Yeah, the, the, that's literally it is. I it, I just had that thought. That oh, and we did the we, weird. We did the burger sketch too, didn't we? Chicken yeah, sandwich, yeah, we, Carl. <laughs> what are you deaf? <laughs> yes, uh, we did it terribly, but we we did we did attempt. We did attempt. Yeah, I remember how we said, and you're making the customers mad, instead of pissing the customers off, because our teacher wouldn't yeah. let us say that part. <laughs> yeah, I, it is weird to think that, what, like, 
how long have we known each other? 21 years? Something like that. 23 years, somewhere? <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I know. It, it's weird that you've known me for that long. How have you stood me for that long? Most people, they, they can't go like two weeks. No, oh, I take my breaks. As... <laughs> um, but yeah, 20 something years later, and here we are still talking about that show that nobody liked. <laughs> you know, it's time has shown that it's just kind of the kids that we were around didn't like it. A bunch of people older than us, that was their jam, you know, and we just. We were ahead of well, our time when it came to our love for sketch comedy. Yes, that's very true. You know. Although the one thing that, that uh, does make me mad is in that video that we had, uh, they didn't have the sketch about the, the house, the people living in the house that's upside down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one was always and they're, and they're just falling and dying because the house yeah, is upside down. Yeah, they're all down. really upset. And just and the guy, <laughs> the goofy neighbor that comes over, he's all like, "Hey, how's everybody in this crazy upside down house?" And Thomas Lennon's like, "We hate it. It killed our son." <laughs> so good. And then he makes some quip about going to hang out with some twins in a jacuzzi and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Good lord. All right. We well, if we don't get off talking about the state. Uh, we're gonna keep actually doing today. It. The state has hacked as as uh, hijacked the show. Yep. So. Oh, 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 boys and girls, action, action! <laughs> All um, right, let's get on to. Uh, well, what have you been up to? Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, let's get on to what I've been up to. Um, I've uh, was house sitting for some friends, and uh, so that was a nice little vacation here in town. Um, uh, a friend, a family that I'm friends with, uh, we're going out of town, up to Canada, actually, to visit their son, who's away at college. And uh, I got to take care of a few tanks of fish and a St. Bernard and a couple of cats. So uh, that's what I was doing the last week, and it was great timing because I had a hardware failure for my video capture card. So I haven't been able to do my video game streaming uh, but I got one that is arriving tomorrow, so I'm super hyped about all that. Well, good luck with that. Hopefully the next one doesn't fry. Um, I'm going with a completely different setup. Rather than an all-in-one card, I'm going with an HDMI splitter from the Xbox One, uh, along with just a straight-to-my-computer thing, so the capture card itself isn't processing you know, a lot of video out, you know, double the video out of it. It's it's just a weird, different surrogate way of doing it that I think is going to work a little simpler for me because my computer isn't the greatest thing, so I'm really pushing it with what I do anyway. And, yeah, having the Elgato capture card on board, while it was great, it did fucking break, and uh, it was a little bit of a burden on my hardware. Tantanus, uh... Your computer can hear you, so you might not want to talk badly about it. <laughs> Wait, what's this typing on my screen? I will yeah. kill you in your sleep. <laughs> must be a, must be a, a virus. You must have gotten just... hacked again. Yeah, just. Oh, no, I won't pay attention to that. Uh, I'll be back. I'm gonna t go take a nap. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, you ready to get to talking about today's album? Yes, I am. 
Cool, I am too. And uh, just a heads up for all you listeners out there, if you're uh, going to listen to this album along with us on a lot of streaming services, um, the track listing will be uh, ahead by one. Uh, by what? We're describing it without the real song for the deaf, which was like kind of an interstitial pre-track to the actual track one of the CD. And so, um, yeah, it's it's going to sound slightly off the way I'm listing these numbers. But bear with us, and if I get confused, bear with me. Uh, but all right, let's get into today's record. Let's talk about Queens of the Stone Age's Songs for the Deaf. Now, uh, John, I know uh, Queens of the Stone Age is a band that you haven't listened to too much, like on your own, like really explored or anything. But when was around the first time you heard of them? Well, the the first time I heard of them, I mean, I I obviously I've been aware of them. Yeah, it's not like I've never heard them. Um, I've seen them three times. Um, but for I, example, if I was to ask you what album is your favorite, John, what would your response be? My response would be I've listened to little bits and pieces of some of them, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it most likely, especially after, you know, listening to this over and over again, it's probably going to be songs for the deaf because I, I know I've heard a bunch of songs off of rated R, but, um, I can't tell you except for feel good song of the year. Yeah. Well, which uh, is not a Michael Jackson joke. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> Plus 10 clever points for John. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so that kind of, I think that kind of sums up your experience with the band perfectly, like me just asking you that and your response there. And um, Yeah, I, I, I know their music. I've heard, like, all the, the you know, songs that really, I guess I, I in, in fact, actually, I was really surprised that I knew more songs off of this album than I thought I did. Oh, right on. Yeah, I, I thought that I had only uh, heard... 10 seconds of the real song for the deaf, and that was a... <laughs> but no, uh, I'm, I'm stoked that uh, you had gave this a solid listen, and I'm really excited to hear what you say about it. And it really surprised mm -hmm. me that you weren't that experienced with Queens of the Stone Age, because the first time I ever listened to them was in your van. I remember we went. it was a time we went to Anacortes, to the record store there, and Phil Nance picked up a copy of Rated R. And we listened to it on the way back, or at least half of it. Yeah, and... I, you know, I think I, I listened, I must have listened to it and been like, oh, that's cool. Like I said, I've heard, I've heard stuff off of Rated R, I just didn't go out and buy it. Yeah. And actually, I had, I had seen them before Rated R came out, because I saw them shortly after whatever, what was the very first album called? It was self-titled. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, that was an accident. Me and uh, a couple of people happened to be at, um, Bumbershoot in 1999. And we went up, we just decided to go up for the day because Sonic Youth was going to be there. Mm -hmm. And Zach had said, Hey, there's a, there's this festival. It costs less than 20 bucks to get in. Sonic Youth is going to be there. We should go. And I said, okay. So we went, and Queens of the Stone Age was playing in the key arena that night. And we just, I was like, oh, I heard one of these guys' songs on 99.9, .9, and <laughs> it was one of the only songs on 99.9 .9 that didn't make me want to pierce my head with a sharp rod and, you know, go brain dead. 
So we went and watched them, and I was like, that they're really good. I should listen to more of them and then continue <laughs> to just scoot on by. <laughs> Damn, I never knew you saw them like way early on. That's pretty rad. Yeah, so did Zach and so did Mike. Like Oh. That's it, a, yeah. Pretty badass. Well, congratulations to you. And then uh, I saw them again. Uh well, it was after Songs for the Deaf had come out and then uh lullabies to paralyze and they were opening for nine inch nails in 2005 and me and mike went and saw them awesome that's and then (laughs) have you seen have you seen them more than two times yeah i I said in the beginning of this i've seen them three times oh three saw them sorry uh two or almost two years ago at riot fest Oh, that's right. Yeah. Damn, you've seen one of my favorite bands more times than I have. And you're just kind of on this. You're, yeah, you're a just... satellite fan. I'm, I'm hella jealous. This is bullshit. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe when you're as cool as me, you can just be like, yeah, you know, I watched the Queens of the Stone Age the other day. You know, I just happen to be wandering in a building. You, oh, you, you guys here to have Queens from the Stone Age? Yeah, you. Hey, have you oh, heard they, of these Queens of the Stone Age? They really uh, rap. The, yeah, I, I heard a song or two, and so I thought I should check them out. Tannis is gonna be super jealous. <laughs> In like fifteen years, oh man! <laughs> yeah. oh. Let's go down to the zoo and watch the monkeys do it. But <laughs> <laughs> songs for the deaf uh, was released August twenty seventh, two thousand two, and uh, this was released. I believe the exact same day as the Dillinger Escape Plan Mike Patton EP, and I went with our our old buddy Phil to the Burlington Mall to go pick that up, both of those up. And so, uh, I don't know, I'm a day oneer with this album, and it's one of my favorites, and uh, I'm just ready to jump right into it. Well, really quickly beforehand, I may not remember listening to Rate It Off in the van, but I do remember you coming to the apartment with this album and you're like, oh my God, I just picked this up. It is so good. And then you were, we didn't even listen to it. You were so excited because you must have listened to it on the way back from Burlington. Oh, we did. Um, but you put in the DVD that came with it and we watched the live performances. And I remember us like the, the, the shock in the room when, um, uh, no one knows came on and that awesome Dave Grawl drumming. Yeah, you know the the part in the chorus that everyone talks about, you know, one of the most recognizable things in the song. And we were all just like, damn, wow, that's freaking awesome. What part are you talking about? Well, we'll get to it when we it's yeah, two songs in. So hold that thought. Um and <laughs> let's just jump right into it. Um Let's uh, hear a little bit of the first track. You think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. Wait, we're not going to do the real song for the deaf? <laughs> no, we're not going to do the real song for the deaf. But that was my favorite song. <laughs> Actually, you didn't hear it, John, but I, I did do the huh, what, right before I started playing our intro music. So I, I kind of <laughs> did play it. I was going to save that for a surprise, but fuck it you now and just edit it out later all right restarting <laughs> let's hear a little bit of you think i ain't worth a dollar but i feel like a millionaire oh and then i played the real song for the deaf okay reset jesus christ 
<laughs> Thank God for editing later. All right. <clears throat> Let's hear a little bit of the first track. You think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. So this was a total surprise the first time I heard it, with the uh, tracks starting off with that uh, weird car starting up and the guy flicking through the radio dials until uh, it settles on KLON, Clone Radio. And uh, I don't know, it was just kind of a trip. I didn't know I was in for a semi-concept album. I thought it would maybe be more of a concept as the album progressed, but it's just kind of a cool loose thread that holds the album together, the uh, constant flipping of radio stations little piece of trivia that uh guy on that radio intro is black dahlia singer of the dwarves nice it, uh did he recover from getting punched by josh homie in time to do that <laughs> who knows <laughs> uh, but um i love this song i think it rips it shows i love that uh both nick oliveri and josh homie have um their own strong separate vocal parts because on most songs it's either one or the other all the way and this is one of those few songs where they're really sharing the mic uh and this song just rips it just blazes it's heavy as hell it stomps uh what do you think john i i think the song is great uh i was listening to it you know I've listened to this song multiple, mo or this album multiple, multiple times uh, since we decided to do it. Um, and this one always gets me banging on the, uh, on the steering wheel. <laughs> it's a fun one. Uh, I, I forgot how, you know, fun the presence of Nicoli very was, uh, because I think in, when I laid out the timeline, the only time I saw him with the Queens was the first time. He was out by Lullabies of Paralyze, right? Yeah, he uh, left after uh, one big tour for this album, after the or whatever touring cycle they were on. Yeah. So Lullabies was the first and, album without him. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that they've played this song the other the two post all the very times that I've seen them, but I can't remember. I believe when I saw them last Jan, not um. 29, January 2018, when uh, I saw them, pretty sure Michael Schumann, the dude from Wires on Fire that plays bass for them now, I'm pretty sure he did the lyrics for this song. Like, okay. I, I'm like 90% sure. But um, other times I've seen them and he's done, I've never seen him with Mark Lanigan or Nick. And anytime those songs get played, uh, it's usually Josh just singing his version of it. Ah, okay. Then that's probably why I never recognize this live. Mm, could be. Yeah, because Josh just doesn't do the the crazy vocals, right? Like he just sings it his own way, right? Yeah, he never wilds out too much. Like oh. I'm trying to think of a single time where he does, but he doesn't ever really. So yeah, anyway, I absolutely yeah, love this song. Go ahead. It's it's a fun tune. It's heavy. It's rocking. It's ripping. You pretty much nailed everything on the head that I feel about it. Obviously, throughout this album, 
most of these songs are not going to have a lot of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I'm not going to have a lot of emotions tied to them, seeing as this is recently the first time I've really listened to the whole album, so. Yeah. And this album, for me, I mean, you're talking about being tied, you're not tied emotionally. Um, I am, big time. And this is one of those song, or albums that came out as I was, you know, forming into manhood, and um, I had definitely fully dropped all my love for rap and new metal at this point, and it was really one of those formative albums of like, oh, I am, I listen to different things. I mean, buying this at the same time as the Mike Patton Dillinger Escape Plan EP just had this air of like, yeah, I'm, I've evolved musically. Like, no more breaking stuff to Limp Bizkit. I, I listen to real music for adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank God, because I have been trying for years at this point. It worked pretty well. <laughs> but all right, uh, let's move on to the uh, big hit single, lead single off this album, and we'll hear a little bit of a song everyone knows called No One Knows. Nice. Um, I, this song is great. Um, I kind of look at this song as the actual, like, hit rock single that drove the stake through the heart of rap and nu metal. I mean, I, I know a lot of kids that were younger than me, like, uh, our, our, our buddy Eric, like, this was also kind of one of those albums for him, although he had the benefit of hanging out with us and, um, his older sister, uh, yeah, and, and the constant, me constant, constant, you know, just ragging on that guy. <laughs> he, he, he's brought that up to me many a times, and I'm just like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> what else to say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, he just, uh, the song was like one of those, it just, it made all that younger generation break away from all that shit. Like, oh, I can like hard rock that isn't cheesy, screaming, I'm dressing up with silver, you know, overalls and blue hair, <laughs> mud vein. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, here, I, I, I have to say something. I have to say that, you know, I think you're, you're making a point to, you know, this was like a real awakening for some kids to get into something that was cool and mainstream. The problem with that, though, is, is that I don't see that at all. I mean, it may have worked for you and it may have worked for some people that we knew, but this song is constantly on. It, it only gets um, it really only gets radio play on stations like KISW that are essentially playing all still playing all of that shit rock from the late 90s and the early 2000s. Um, this song to me has always been like it, say if I'm at work and it gets stuck on the, the modern hard rock channel or when I was at work, uh, before now I work in my car all the time. Uh, so I get to, I'm the only one who chooses the music, but when I was working at target and in the back room, it would get stuck on the modern hard rock channel. This song was always the glowing you know, the, the, it was always the the um, 
the hope in a big sea of nothing but bullshit. This, this, and the like four times that they would play a Black Sabbath song during the day. Other than that, like I mean, it's still held. You know, it's still in the pantheon of all the other garbage that you know gets played on modern modern hard rock radio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is one of those. It's it's one of those diamonds in the rough, dude. This song fucking rules, and it's. Oh yeah, no, it does rule, and and like I said, that that's what it's, you know, been the good thing about yeah. this is when it gets stuck in the, you know, like on a hard rock station, this song will always get played, and that was kind of always, you know, I I never really listened to it outside of that for a long time because I I just would appreciate when it would get played that much more. Oh, sorry about that little bit of a uh, audio interference there. Uh, we fixed we fixed John's mic, and uh, he had more to say about no one knows. So, um, John, go ahead. Anyway, um, we we said we were going to talk about the uh, it, m- most songs don't have a drum part that is recognizable, but this one definitely does. That chorus. But I remember, you know, the first time that we all kind of watched that going on on the DVD, we were all taken aback. I mean, it is it is musical. It really is a testament to the genius of Dave Grohl. Um, Dave Grohl is a great drummer, a great songwriter, whatever. Uh, but he lends a, a certain amount of musicality to it without being like overly flashy about it either. Which is, it's great. It, it really lends something special to this song. And uh, with that point, the guy that they had drumming for them um, when they were opening for Nine Inch Nails on the With Teeth tour. Must have been Joey Castillo, uh, former Danzig drummer. And he was the guy drumming for Scott Weiland on his last tour. It Was he? Yeah. For the last Queens tour? No, for the last Scott Weiland tour, the oh, one you almost saw. Well, I I don't know if it was just an off night for him, but he did not do this song justice. He seemed to be like really sweating it out and really getting tired. <laughs> and when it came to those roles, he did not he did not do them well, and that's why I was surprised if he was still you know touring with the Queens because. Pretty sure that was the only tour he did with them, because uh, he did not he did not do very well, in my opinion. No, he toured with them after Dave Grohl didn't tour with them for this album. Joey Castillo. No, did. I know that. And he kept touring with them. He left during the making of Light Clockwork, so he was with them for Lullabies oh. and Era Vulgaris. Oh, never mind then. They they must have been fine with his performance, but I was not impressed. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he was just having an off night, because when I saw them with Castillo, he was just fine. He was great on the mm. when they were touring for Eric Bulgaris. Oh. But, All right, well. Yeah. But uh, I like that Victor added here in chat, um, the song is just so good. I was and still am obsessed. And yeah, it's one of those hit singles for people, man. Like, ah, oh, it's timeless. Frickin' timeless. Aged like a fine wine. But all right. Yes. Enough about No One Knows. Let's hear a little bit of 
what I believe was the second single off this album, uh, and not nearly as big of a hit. Uh, first It Giveth, and we're here a little bit of that right now. The song's pretty good. Um, it's not one of my favorites, but the, this is another song where Dave Grohl's drumming just slays it in the chorus. Like, oh my oh, yeah. god, just rolling over those toms like it's a freaking avalanche, and but the prettiest avalanche I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I like this song probably more than what you just described i i think it's a nice rocker the chorus is catchy as hell hell oh uh, yeah i get this song stuck in my head routinely and i mean as we were doing our little pre-show chat you had it you you kept going between this and uh uh the sky is falling i think was what you were singing but you were singing little bits back and forth mostly of this one yeah yeah that's true yeah it was this one and the sky is falling are definitely the ones that get stuck in my head the most and yeah, go with they the flow. Definitely, yeah, uh, it, it's it's kind of funny to me that you know maybe it's just the fact that I have heard no one knows a billion times, but this one throughout the last you know throughout the time that I've been listening to this album for the uh, podcast, this one definitely got stuck in my head the most. And well, actually, and sky is falling. Yeah, it, it's it's a slayer. I love it, and it's one of those songs that I I don't know it. When I see that it's three minutes and 18 seconds long, I can't believe it. I'm like, no, that's a five-minute long song. Like, Yeah, you know, I, I guess because I was listening to this mostly in my car, a lot of these run times are kind of surprising me. Songs that I thought were longer are not. Thongs, songs that I thought were shorter are uh, longer than they are. It, it's weird. I, I, I guess I've always had a problem with... Uh, understanding how long a song really is because i mean hell i used to think that songs off of punk and drublick were all like four minutes and i don't <laughs> think there's a single song on there that goes above two <laughs> has no yeah has no effects written a song besides the decline that goes above two minutes uh i think i mean there has to be at least a few uh but yeah i don't know first it giveth pretty solid jam i i like it i like it it's yeah. just um i like Get so you. much more on this album just or so like i like so much uh, on this album so much more that's what I'm... you know I'll, I'll tell you the one thing i did find hard about this album was you know trying to find one that i definitely felt was a favorite hmm. i used to think i had one that was definitely a favorite but that got changed well, I can't yeah. wait to hear what it is when we get to it. I don't want to spoil it right now. It's more fun when yeah. we arrive. All right. Let's uh, hear a little bit of the next song. And here's a little piece of Song for the Dead. Oh, this song is tied for my favorite song on this album. There, I the the one of the first time I saw them, they closed with this song, and even though Mark Lanigan wasn't singing, 
for it. Like, I was headbanging so hard. Um, I had a buddy, real quick, history on that show that I went to. I had a buddy whose uh, father worked for um, this cool framing business in Seattle, and so he had an in with a bunch of different venues, and he had an mm-hmm. in with the Paramount. And so we were able to score clubs or uh, Paramount club tickets for that show. So we had mezzanine, we had all access seats, so we could go up to our mezzanine theater seats right at the top of the balcony and watch the show, or we could go down to GA, and then we had a special bar that was fully catered downstairs that you had to be on a list to get into. It was the most posh concert experience I've ever had, and it was just an absolute blast, but I will never forget during this song, I was so stoked that it got played and so stoked that it was the last song that they played, I was headbanging so hard that I hit my nose on the rail in front of me and had a bloody nose for the remainder of the show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, when they're in Seattle, do they have, I mean, does Mark show up and sing some of these songs? You or? know, surprisingly, he didn't. Like, that's, I was on, we were all hoping and expecting that, honestly, and it didn't happen either time I've seen them. Yeah, you know, that that's really a missed opportunity. I think that that would have been awesome. I just think he's a hard guy to get under your thumb, you know? And and during that time, he was also um, doing that album cycle, or, or just about to do the album. No, he was in the middle of it, yeah. Um, anyway, the album cycle he did with Isabel Campbell, they did three albums together, and that would have been right in the middle of that, so he possibly would have been touring with her at that point. Oh, okay. Is there more that you were saying? No, I just kind of went off about this song, and I want to hear how you feel about it, because it is one of my favorite Queens of the Stone Age song periods. I, I just think Mark Lanigan is fucking perfect on it. Uh, just the dark lyrics and the awesome moaning kind of chanting that goes throughout pretty much the entire song is so just fucking cool well, sounding. And, and that is actually one of the greatest things. I mean, that uh, that is a kind of a, you know, along with the radio stuff, it's kind of a, you know motif that they use throughout the whole album which i think is perfect for how the feel of the music is you know kind of dark um and it it also leads or it gives credence to the whole theme of it being you know for the dead or the deaf you know it it really kind of switches between those feels you know a lot mm-hmm. um but obviously awesome intro from dave Grohl. He really kills it on the drums. Um, the one thing, though, is... You know what it's uh, from, uh, right? That whole intro. You, you you didn't recognize it? No. Really? I am surprised. I'm stoked. I get to be the one to be, do this to you. I figured you would have been like, oh, dude, that's... So that whole drum with the, you know, the bass... It's fucking Slip It In, dude, by Black Flag. Oh, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like it's yeah, literally it's it's literally slip it in. Like if you listen to them back to back, you're like, oh, that's literally what they did. Like, well, what I was gonna say, and I don't know if you caught this, but I I did notice about like the fourth or something. Listen to this. This song is very similar to Purple Haze too. Oh, I never even thought of that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it has that really kind of bouncy blues riff. Just kind of. And 
it would have made sense if one of them was just like, excuse me, well, I kissed the sky. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I just felt like this is the Queen's, you know, Purple Haze, and, and it's great. I, I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, the song um, is pretty amazing. This is one of those songs that definitely, you know, shows their influences pretty, um, they're wearing their influences on their sleeve, but not enough where you're just like, well, fuck these guys for ripping off Jimmy. Um, <laughs> or Black Flag. Yeah, or Black Flag. It, but, it, I mean, it's one of those things where you're just like, yep, hey, they're doing it really well. Pretty much. Kind of like when Turbo Negro does Get It On, and it's just that Ramones song. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's good. That's great. Yeah. yeah, who who would have thought? Add a guitar solo to a Ramon song and it makes it better. <laughs> this guy apparently didn't know <laughs> shit. Uh, but um, yeah, I just love the peaks and valleys with the song. Listening to it on headphones is an absolute treat because the guitars are trading back and forth in you know at the respective parts. And the other thing too is with the intro. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but I definitely noticed this because my car has uh you know an infinity sound system which i would recommend to anybody who's looking for a new car to definitely go for the infinity sound system it is well worth the price anyway that's enough me talking about in uh hyundai and their awesome you know contract that they have with infinity and how awesome that sound system is again fucking awesome how much a month uh, sean <laughs> what's your apr <laughs> um so the the when it has the drum solo and when it comes in with the bass it's in full stereo but as the song kicks into the full things certain things move to the left like the drums almost completely go to the left channel um the uh everything else you know most of the vocals and the guitars go to the right channel it has this weird kind of if you're listening to it really loud in an enclosed area it kind of it has a sucky sucking feel not like like the song sucks but i mean it literally because it the sound moves it completely trades places and yeah. i think it's one of the more awesome things about the car especially in my uh, brand new hyundai elantra that has the infinity sound system which also splits everything into 5.1 you need to listen to the melvin's a senile animal in your car dude uh, I probably should. Yeah, and I, uh, that does the same thing with left and right with uh, Cody Willis and Dale Crover drumming, and it's pretty, it's a treat. But uh, yeah. don't want to get into that because I could talk about that album a lot too, and in fact, probably will at some point during this podcast. But uh, today we're talking will. about Queens of the Stone Age's Songs for the Deaf and the song Song <laughs> for the Dead. Do you have anything else to say about this song, John? Welcome back to KGLO. We are talking about songs for the deaf by Queens of the Stone Age. You can't even hear it. <laughs> uh, no, I, we, we can move on to the next catchiest song on the album. Hey, all right, let's hear a little bit of The Sky is Falling. Yeah, this song's a catchy blast, and I was completely surprised to see that this song is 6 minutes and 16 seconds. 
long. It is yeah, the second yeah. longest song on the album. And if you were to ask me yeah. what I thought the second longest song on the album was, I would have been like, oh, it's got to be either Hanging Tree or Song for the Dead. I would have been close to Song for the Dead, but Hanging Tree's only like, what is it? Three minutes and six seconds long? I would have been yeah. way off. Uh, it, yeah, again, but, you know, I don't need to rediscuss how I don't understand the lengths of songs. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the chanting in this, and uh, I was re-watching some of the behind-the-scenes footage from the DVD that I ended up getting with the CD. All that stuff's on YouTube now. There's the beginning of the song where you hear the chanting by Josh Homme, obviously, but um, the really echoey part is done by Dave Grohl in it. In the back behind the scenes thing, you see him doing it into some like clay jug, and so that's how they're mm. getting this echoey effect with some just really practical thing that was laying around the studio. I could be dumb, and it could be some weird percussion instrument that's meant for that kind of shit, but I don't think it was. I don't know. I didn't watch that in preparation for this, which I probably should have. Oh, it was just mostly them goofing off. There's only a couple little treat tidbit kind of things, but. But yeah, the um, song's a blast. How do you feel about it? it it's a great song. Uh, you know, it's one of the catchier ones on the album. Uh, the chorus is great. And this is the weird thing for me about this song is this is the only one off of this album, or at least one one of the only ones that I, I completely remember when they play live. Um, and And like when I saw them at Riot Fest, because, you know, me, when I'm at Riot Fest, uh... I'm usually about 10 sheets to the wind. Um, yeah, or so. <laughs> uh, sober is not a thing I do when I'm at Riot Fest. <laughs> uh, so when I, I, I got to their performance late, and I can't remember. I was watching someone before them, and so it made me late to their performance. And when I got up there, they were, I think they were playing this song. And I remembered it. And it was always that moment where I'm like, I'm drunk. Uh, I need to remember this song when I'm sober. And then, you know, I'd wake up the next morning and completely forget about it. <laughs> You'd wake up the next morning and be like, I did this to my face getting pizza? <laughs> yeah, that was the year after, man. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I really like this song. I don't have too much to say about it. It's catchy as hell. It is one of my more favorite songs on the album for sure. I mean, it's yeah. It, it I I couldn't believe it was six minutes and sixty seconds long because it just breezes by. It's oh man. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice listen. Yeah, it's pretty epic, and I didn't even realize it was so epic. No. But um, yeah, you ready to move on to the next song? Yes, please. All right, let's hear a little bit of Anomaly here on this album. And here's the uh, panicky six-shooter. Oh, man. <laughs> this song is so perfectly awesome. Like, uh, this is where we get a real quick a first appearance on uh, one of two guest appearances on guitar by Mr. Dean Ween. So that's pretty cool huh. if you're a Ween fan. There's a little piece of trivia. Yeah, I didn't know that until I uh, researched this album for this podcast. I might have seen that oh. in the album credits long ago, but 
then I wasn't into Ween, so it probably just didn't reg register. And he might have gone by his real name, which would have been even more obscure to see. Mickey Melchiondo, yeah, who I don't I don't know who that is. <laughs> but um yeah this song rules it's one of the couple of the songs that they had samples for before this album came out and it got this this the sample of this song just got me it's pretty much what i just played for you guys right here that beginning part um but I, it got me so stoked for this album when i heard that oh this kind of noise is going to be coming off the next queens of the stone age album that's great because the nick oliveri songs on rated r were some of my favorites on that album what did you think of yeah. six shooter john did it kind of surprise you at all or well it didn't surprise me i mean because it is kind of a lot like you think i ain't worth a dollar but i feel like a millionaire um but it, it was kind of a continuation like that the thing that's surprising is now i'm looking at the uh the runtime for this one and it's only a minute 20 i didn't realize it was that short yeah um again you know the, apparently this is a theme now we, we just don't understand the length of time but um <laughs> i i love i love you know how it starts out you know even though it's aggressive but when it kicks in with the shoot 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 shout it when, when it really kicks in with that i it gets me banging my head pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I can see you blowing out your throat singing along with this in the car by yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, this one and uh, the words that I figured out, which, you know, I mean, a lot of the times when I'm singing along by myself in the car, I don't need to know the words. I just need <laughs> to know how to scream along with them. And it's really easy to scream along to words like, Fuck you too. I'll kill your best friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'll fucking kill your best friend. I got the lyrics wrong. Well, that's gonna result in a bunch of spankings later. Lovely. I can't wait to fuck up more lyrics. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, let's... Uh... Move along from Six Shooter as fast as it moves along on the album and uh, get talking to the Alan Johannes collaboration, the guy who wrote this song, longtime Queens of the Stone Age collaborator, and Mark Lanigan sung Hanging Tree. Let's hear a little bit of that right now. This is a beautiful little grim jam. I mean, I just love Mark Lanigan's voice. And if, if anybody doesn't, I mean, seriously, go fuck yourself. The guy's amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, even if he's on stuff that I don't particularly like, I'm like, well, at least it's cool that it had Mark Lanigan on it. You know, it <laughs> will always be that guy who has that voice. You oh, know? yeah, just made of stone. And that the dude's just amazing. And this song, I mean... Especially when Mark Lanigan's singing about grim things, it just, there's just something semi-real to it, no matter, you know, who wrote it or whatever, because he didn't write this song. Yeah. Uh, but, ah, uh, I just, I, I love this song. It was one of those songs that on the first time I heard it on the album, like, I was stoked that Song for the Dead had Mark Lanigan, but this was the song that really reminded me of his guest appearance on the previous album. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, I I just love Hanging Tree. 
Oh, it's a brilliant song. Love it. It and even you know just his regular. Uh, the thing I was just noticing listening to the intro, um, moans and 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 chants seem to be you know such a big thing in this album. I didn't even realize that you know he kind of has that moan while he's singing this song as well. Um, which I, I think was most likely intentional and, you know, to fit in with the flow of the rest of the songs, but it really talks about their, their brilliance as, you know, put into this album together. Yeah. It's really something else. Every single track is freaking just uh, gets me excited. And, uh, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about hanging tree? Uh, no, this was one of the ones I, I tried to get my, uh, I, when I was talking to my dad one day, I tried to get him to listen to this whole album, but he wouldn't. But I did tell him about this song, and he dug it. So there's a win there, I guess. <laughs> right on, man. Well, uh, let's, right. let's move on to Hands Down. I said it was tied, but uh, now that we're to it, I'm like, this is my favorite song on the album. Let's hear the timeless hit single, Go With The Flow. Oh man, it's really hard to just not want to play that whole song and listen to it. It's one of those songs that if it comes on the radio, if I'm around the radio and the one controlling it, which usually is never the case, but the rare occasions, man, I crank this. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. And the music video for it is one of the greatest music videos of all time. It is so masterfully done. This song hits every single note that I love about quote-unquote sensitive rock and roll like just this the weird leady guitar the the suffragette city piano uh it's just a fucking sexy driving rocker like i love this song i am surprised that you had such an affinity for this because this for my for many many years was my absolute favorite uh queens of the stone age song um and I caught a lot of flack. I I could I'm pretty sure I even caught a little flack from you uh when I said, you know, go with the flow. I mean, I, I pretty much was at the point, I think, after this album came out where I didn't even need to listen to any of those any of the other songs on the album because I was so into go with the flow. Yeah, um, you know, I gotta admit, when I first got this album, it was a song I kind of skipped past and didn't just didn't care about as much. Until I saw the music video, and then all of a sudden it clicked with me, and I was like, "This is my favorite song on this album." Like, oh, well, I get, I, I get it now. Why didn't I? Why didn't this sit with me before? Like, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and the funny thing too is when I talk to people here, and Queens of the Stone Age gets brought up, you know, they're like, "Oh, no one knows," and I'm like, I, I almost go, no, "Fuck that!" Uh, listen to "Go with the Flow." I mean, it's, it's. You know everything you said except i would have i wouldn't it doesn't evoke memories of suffragette city so much for me as it does something from raw power um like the whole song speaks raw power to me yeah i mean 
Apples and oranges, man. I mean, that's kind of like yeah, the same I mean, thing is, going on with a the piano it is there. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, they both. Yeah. And Bowie had involvement with both things. Exactly. So. But yeah, I, I just ah, this song slays. And do you remember the music video at all? I just it's one it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite. I music remember. Video. It's, I mean, it pretty much it's it's like it. For some reason, I always think Sin City when I think about it. Yeah, it has it, that... it's rotoscoped and it evokes the album art where it's pretty much all yeah. just red and black. Yeah. And um, yeah, it has the uh, like the, the it's it's so just it's it's so cheesily sexy. Like they drive into like the giant woman in between her legs as the scene fades out and like. <laughs> The cars crash together as, like, the silhouette of Josh is kissing the silhouette of the woman, and the fork from the front of the album, like, enters the snake, and then it blows up into a big psychedelic mess with all these sperm flying around like a big flock of insects, and, like, <laughs> it's so over-the-top, like, cool. Like, I just, ah. And usually, like, stuff with just, like, oh, hey, bikini babes, like, it kind of makes me cringe, because I'm like, yeah, okay, like... Did we already do this in the 80s? Like, but nah, this, that video just does it so right. And I don't know. I, I love this song so goddamn much. It's been a long time since I've seen the video, but I remember at that time uh, before we had DVD burners and we figured out how to burn, I, my, I had a DVD player that played video CDs and we figured out how to put, you know, uh, videos onto CD. I remember I had a CD with this on it, and I'd watch it fairly often. Um, but once, you know, DVD burners became pretty much in every computer and whatever, I and I uh, got my DVD player got broke. I, I, I don't think I've watched it since then. Oh, yeah, I gotcha. That was like 15 years ago. And this song's a ripper alive. Like, it's one of those songs oh, yeah. where you really feel the crowd come alive as soon as it starts. And... It always has a sudden start. I mean, on the album and live, they, they just go into it. It's not like, you know, let's start with the, the piano line and slowly bring in the bass or anything. It's just a bum, 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 bum. Just yeah. let's go. And we're not going to stop for three minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a real rocker. Great tune. Love it. <laughs> Although it did get replaced as... My favorite's uh, Queens of the Stone Age song. Is the is your favorite Queens of the Stone Age song on this album? I guess we'll have to continue. <laughs> yeah. All Keep right. listening to find out what John's favorite song is. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's All move right. on to the next track and hear a little bit of uh, guest appearance, too, on guitar from Mr. Dean Ween. And uh, hear a little bit of uh, Gonna Leave You. I have conflicted feelings about this song because where I think it's a really great uh, pop rock song and it sits perfectly at that two minutes and 50 second mark, <laughs> you know, for uh, a nice pop rock song to be. It, it's just about doing heroin pretty much or trying to get off heroin. It's one of those junky tracks and I've just never been too down with that kind of stuff because I can't relate. And it, 
and I feel like it glorifies it to a certain point. But ah, uh, see, okay, this is probably where you're gonna be surprised. First of all, that the the riff of the beginning riff of the song is my like favorite thing on the album. I I love how discombobulated it sounds and how I mean it's you know one of my favorite things about rock and roll. If there's ever the part that's probably crash, Dean Ween. Yeah, most likely is Dean Ween. And, and as you said that, um, it made a lot of sense. I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Um, but anytime that there's like a trash solo in a song that that's got a real loose feel to it, that is going to be my favorite thing. I, I love things that sound like they're going to fall apart at any second. Um, I don't know why that is, but it it's one of my favorite things about rock and roll. Oh no, musically this song's pretty near perfect. It's just kind of yeah. the lyrical content, I got to be honest about it just tarnishes the song for me. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I is guess what I, I was trying to say. I didn't uh uh li- read the lyrics. Um so I just thought this was a breakup song. Oh. And I guess it I mean, everything scars the skin, push song. it in, break it off. There's blood in my spoon. It's all <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah all... no, I apparently I, I just heard the part where he said, I'm going to leave you. And I was like, oh, you know, I've been told this so many times. I, I was sitting there thinking if if a girl had ever broken up with me and sounded this awesome, I probably wouldn't have taken it so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, but, or, you know, or just listen to the George Michael song Freedom afterwards. That, that's, that does the trick I, for me. Yeah, yeah, that. I probably should do that. Also, <laughs> probably you know, you, you know, let me let my freak flag fly, and so I'd feel better. <laughs> Indeed, but I mean, you know, "Gonna Leave You" is a great song. Like, I, I, I don't want to sound too opinionated or like I think it's a bad song. I just bit of honesty. That's all. Yeah. Well, and and yeah, if I, I. I guess if I knew it was exactly, you know, if it was completely about heroin, I probably wouldn't have. Uh, I or guess I just need to pay attention better to the lyrics. It's either <laughs> about or he's just comparing breaking a relationship to getting over a, an addiction. That's true. I mean, that. Well, I, things I bum that, me out, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not my scene. But, I, you know, <laughs> musically, pretty perfect. I like it, even though I'm saying what I said. <laughs> <laughs> we get it, Tannis. You like things. Okay, cool. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, let's move on. And hear a little bit of the next track. Do it again. This thing is a fun little glam rock stomper, isn't it? Yeah, you know, honestly, especially with how pissed people are about, you know, how what a wreck Gary Glitter turned out to be, they should use this song to replace uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 at sporting events. Yeah, really. I don't know why they don't. It It, it is one of those songs. It is, and, and again, it, they... they um, they go through one of my favorite rock and roll cliches, and that is, 
you know, a few guitar riff or a few guitar chords and then a big old, Hey, Oh my God. Anytime, anytime. That's going to be one of the songs that I love on the album. I mean, did you ever listen to that Judah band? The what, what band Judah, that glam rock band from Italy. Ah, no, I, I, you told me about them and then I forgot. (laughs) Damn it, Sean, get on it. Is this like, is that all they do? Um, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess I have a new favorite band. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like if, if Slade like was modern, but not modern in a bad way, just better hmm. uh, due to rules. There's so much fun. Anyway, we're talking about Queens of the Stone Age. Um, yeah. yeah. Welcome dude. back to KGLO Radio, <laughs> where we're talking about Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age. You can't even hear it. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh, fucking hate you. All right. <laughs> do it again. Um no, don't do it again, John. The song is called Do It Again. Oh, uh, I was about to do it again. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. There's not much to say about this song except for it rules. It I I can't yeah. dig too deep into it. I just it's yeah it's a it's a fun song it's got a nice chant like i said i don't know why they haven't figured out how to replace this song with rock and roll part or you know replace rock and roll part two with this song at sporting events they should and then uh you know the 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 gary glitter wouldn't be getting all of his you know royalty money oh he's so, not you know. he's in like a taiwanese prison now or some shit oh he's he's away yeah, well, he's that... away away they caught him doing oh i don't even want to get into it yeah yeah anyway i mean because i know that they had a real big there was a real big hubaloo made over uh the fact that uh dell had those touch computers and they they were using joan jett's version of do you want to touch me and people were furious because they're like that's just gonna put more money into gary glitter's pockets so i figured they were still on that I'm pretty sure all those royalties are seized at this point. Don't isn't eh, Britain weird like that? I don't know. Who knows? What I know is that we should get on to the next song. Yep, and let's hear a little bit of God is in the radio. Wow, what a good song. Uh, what do you think of this one, John? I Yeah, go for it. I want you to start. I mean, I, I don't hate it, but this is one of the ones I probably spent the least amount of time with. Really? Uh, yeah. Ugh. I mean, it's, it's... Obviously, I listened to it a bunch, but, uh, you know, when I was going back to the ones that I really liked, um, there was, you know... Sky is falling, first to give us, uh, go with the flow, hanging tree, gonna leave you. And my favorite, which has been yet to be named, uh, <laughs> continue listening if you are interested in what my favorite song on the album is going to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we've got to get some clickbait in here. You know, we got to keep the, the listeners suspended, you know? <laughs> Well, anyway, then, I, then I gotta also do the thing about hot celebs in my area that want to get with me. Yeah. 
That's right. I said hot celebs in my area. I'm going. I'm going next generation with these ads. <laughs> well, we, you know, the the thing I always love about you know stupid TV shows is, you know, they'll they'll have those really dumb cliffhangers. They're like, will the cast of this reality TV show survive, or will they all blow up and? Because of their own stupidity, you're going to have to wait for the commercials in order to find out. And then you come back and they're like, no, it didn't happen yet. But it could. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm okay, anyway, anyway, let's get back on track. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't like this song as much. Like, uh, I just it just think got it, lost in the shuffle. It, it does so many of the cool tricks that I thought I, you would glom onto. Like the cool fading out part that it does in the middle. Like all the instruments getting turned down and played quieter and the reverse vocals happening all super quiet then you know the chorus part with the weird uh bass drum breaks that are kind of oddly timed like, i yeah. don't know i just I it, it had so many tricks that i thought you'd be like oh this was rad this was rad i'm honestly surprised it just kind of passed you by uh, you know, it'll probably be one of those songs that in 10 years I'll be like, oh my God, Tannis, I have literally listened to no other song but God is on the Radio by Queens of the Stone Age. I have missed 10 years worth of music. I have not talked to my son in five because he's tired of hearing this song. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then you're going to be like, I told you it's pretty cool. And I'll be like, yeah, my life is ruined. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this song is great. It's it's one of my favorites on the album for sure. Definitely no. top five. So, but um, yeah, I don't have much else to say about it besides being surprised that we don't have much to talk about what we liked about it. Damn it! Sorry. No, it's okay. It's, it's not always. I'm not always going to be able to call out what you're going to be into, and that's just fine. That's what makes this wow. fucking podcast interesting. All right, well, let's move on, and we'll hear another love song called Another Love Song, and hear a bit of that right now. This is one of those songs that when I hear it, I'm all like pissed that I didn't dedicate myself to playing guitar better ever because I would love nothing more than just to like, if I had a guitar and I could play this song, it'd be one of those riffs that I'd pick it up and I'd just be like, like just all day. I would be ah just dicking around on that. Honestly, you know, I could see people picking this up the same way that they, uh, um, when, when I was in, like, when I was like 12 or 13, anytime that I met someone with a guitar, first thing they would do is pick it up and play Day Tripper. Um, <laughs> so I could see this kind of being, you know, kind of the same situation, except, uh, you know, no, I, I don't think that this was one that, you know, really impressed people on the album. It's a fun song. It's very Beatles-ish. I like it. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, you know, it gets you in the, the nice, like, you know, kind of bop in your head. And, you know, it, it, it's a little cheesy, but they, you know, and they kind of, they, they kind of make well note of that, you know. 
Yeah, it's just another love song. Like I don't know. Exactly. It's, ah, and I just love <laughs> yeah. Mark Lanigan. He has such a presence on this album. I mean, we just had two songs in a row by him, and it's yeah. amazing. Like, ah, I just this song is so fun for me. It's the perfect treat right before the end of the album, and right yeah. after God is in the radio, which as much as I love it, is just. And I like it for this reason, but it's a little bit of a slog, and it just kind of st not stumbles along in a bad way, but in a rhythmic way. Like it's like it's it's yeah. I don't, I don't know. This song is just a great transition to hear our last two tracks. One of which is technically a secret track. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't have much else to say about another love song except for I wish no. I could play guitar better. All right, well, let's move on to, uh, on the track listing, what is the last song on the album, but there's a secret track after that we're also going to cover, so stick around. And let's hear a little bit of the quote-unquote title track, A Song for the Deaf. This is a great closer. Uh, I, I just really like this song. I think it kind of showcases kind of everybody's strengths at certain points of this album. Or, I mean, everybody's strengths in the band at certain points in this song. Um, the drumming, Josh Homme's ability to keep this these cool melodic harmonies in the chorus. Uh, Mark Lanigan's little vocal bit towards the end of I can go get fucked. Also, the... Freaking Nick Oliveri scream that just explodes at the end. Like I just ah, this this has everything in it. How do you feel about this song, John? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say, stay tuned to find out what John Brummer's favorite song on <laughs> Song for the Deaf is, which is going to be told to you right now. It's this song. Oh, nice. I love this song. This was like. I if I had known that this song was on this album, I wouldn't have waited like twelve years or seventeen years or whatever to to listen to it. Yeah, it's pretty uh, great. What a it's just kind of like it's got this mammoth riff and that dancey little lead that bridges. Oh yeah. Oh god damn! It sends chills with, up my spine. Yeah, you 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 me being able to gush over the part where Mark Lanigan, you know, it's it's all calm and he's like, you can go get fucked uh, like i just th that part for me i was just like oh this wins this is the <laughs> ding 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 oh yeah it's it's just great and i love how the song ends with that just really ethereal sounding mark lanigan going oh the day as like the yeah. distortion kind of rises and then cuts off oh gorgeous yeah no this this song is beautiful and ultra heavy it's everything that should it's everything that should be done in this style of music and this is everything that you know all of those dipshits from the new metal era probably could have done but didn't because they all fucking suck <laughs> amen another shitty band yeah 
<laughs> Who, uh, exactly. by the way, <laughs> by the way, the all death metal all the time part on this album done by Casey Chaos from Amen. So there we go. Time Seriously? that choking. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that uh, some of these, uh, some of the, the quote unquote DJs had to be um, people that I knew, but I just never really looked. Yeah, I, I think uh, I want to look it up. It's one note that I forgot to um, say here. But where are they? Oh, yeah. So we got, yeah, Blog Dahlia and then uh, Alan Johannes, who wrote Hanging Tree on this album as the Spanish speaking DJ that plays right before First It Giveth. Um, Chris Goss, the producer of this album, is uh, the guy from Curdle 109. Hmm. And then, uh, let's see, there's Jordy White, a.k.a. Uh, serial abuser Twiggy Ramirez, DJ yeah, Tom Sherman of Banning College what, Radio. Uh, we'll skip that. We, and then uh, uh, we got, uh, oh, I, I thought Matt Pinfield was on this. I, I guess not. We got Natasha Schneider as the DJ for The Womb. Uh, Lux Interior from the fucking um, Cramps is the DJ oh. for AM580. And then, of course, the Reverend, the Devil Jesse Hughes as the preacher, of course. And then I believe um, that's Dave Catching doing the uh, end part, the, the song for the deaf. That is for you. Who's, who's Dave Catching? Dave Catching is, he played a bunch on Rated R. He's a full-time member of Eagles of Death Metal. Um, he was a part of Mondo Generator, Nick Oliveri's band. If you oh, have okay. the if you have the CD of this album, he's the guy who's on the CD. There's a a photo of just like a it's a red background with a dude's face pretty much right in front of it, and he has this kind of flipped up haircut, wearing sunglasses that's in all white to keep in tone with the color scheme of the album. And yeah, that's Dave Catching. Hmm. Little piece of trivia for y'all out there. Yeah. Well. Seeing as all of us uh, ditched our CDs back when they became uncool, you know. Hey, man. I, not everybody's cool get, enough to pay 40 bucks for 30 CDs from Hydrahead Records and get a bunch of good shit they're still listening to. What, what, what I'm saying, Tannis, is get with the times, man. Stop being a fucking lame you dude, know? Dude, you got to get you a guy who can do both, man. That's what I've been trying to tell everybody. Like, <laughs> I can MP3, I can CD, I just don't STD. Always get tested, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, song for the deaf. Yeah, this song's a fucking mammoth. It's great. It's one of those just perfect ending tracks. It seems to be a really important thing for you and I on a lot of these albums is a track that yeah, really it, ties up the album. <laughs> I, you know, I honestly didn't realize until we started doing this how many ending songs are just like probably the best moments on the album. I always, it, it, I mean, I guess, I guess um, it may be a testament to these ones that we've chosen that we are, you know, that we like all the way through. Mm -hmm. because you know there is a ton of albums that i've gotten and i've listened to it and i'm like oh the first three songs were cool but the rest of it was a bunch of bullshit and that ending song they just gave up a <laughs> long time before that one can't got written oh <laughs> cool know? a hardcore cover of an 80s hit didn't see that coming yeah <laughs> uh 
but yeah i don't know uh the song's great um this album is great and i would say let's wrap it up here but we got the secret track to talk about um it's listed as one of the normal tracks on all the streaming services but you had to you had to wait a couple minutes after song for the deaf when you had the cd to hear this one so let's just gloss over and talk about the super gorgeous uh, epilogue to this album um, and hear a little bit of Mosquito Song. How pissful. <laughs> All right, let me try again. <laughs> and let's hear a little bit of Mosquito Song. Now, this is just a cool, haunting tune. I absolutely love it. It serves as the perfect bookend to the actual last track, which was Song for the Deaf. It just goes in a total different direction than anything else on the album, and it doesn't feel like it's misplaced being a secret track. Or even just a normal track on these streaming services. Uh, but John, no, you were I mean, about to say something earlier. How pissed were what? How pissed would you have been if this turned out to be my absolute favorite song on the album? I wouldn't have been pissed at all. I was almost really? thinking like, oh shit, is John's favorite song Mosquito Song? <laughs> this song's well, amazing, that's why, dude. That's why I had to I had to uh, you know, build up the tension so you would keep listening because I really wanted you to find out what my favorite song on the album was. <laughs> um i mean this this it's the song's great it's fine i i did you know notice that they uh kind of call out to what was it purposeful to did they already have the idea for lullabies to paralyze or did is that where they got the name when they wrote the song for this that's or... probably what happened it was probably just one of those things that was just a lyric in a song and then it was just like Oh shit! Like that's too good to just be a throwaway lyric on a secret track. Like, yeah, because it is a really cool turn of phrase, "lullabies to paralyze," and uh, yeah. that phrase actually fits the theme of that album really well. Like, it's definitely the most emotionally dark Queens of the Stone Age album. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, honestly, I need because I'm sure at some point that's gonna become a thing that we talk about. I've never fully listened to that one either, so I guess I should probably get on it so I'm not taken by surprise. <laughs> um, I did forget also that uh, I think Dean Ween plays on this song too. And there's a bunch more uh, guests on this album, but I just am really stoked that I found out about <laughs> all the Ween involvement on one of my favorite no, albums. He doesn't, well, at least it doesn't say that he plays on this one. Uh, he, he did play on songs for the deaf. A song for the deaf? Or, yeah, I mean, a song for the deaf. Or a song for the deaf. You know what? Why don't you eat a dick, man? Like, <laughs> you, you know, hey, like, there's a thing going on here that I don't appreciate where you're correcting me in front of all of our, all of our, you know, fans and stuff. You know, I, I would appreciate it if you just, like, didn't do that, you know? Oh, you know, like, I didn't mean no disrespect. I just want to get the correct information. Across, hey, okay? I just, you know, it would be really nice if you, you know, you 
you know, you didn't, you know, hey, like, it's really not cool of you to do that. Oh, That's all I'm saying. You know, I, I think you got a real poor attitude on you. And if you're just going to go around about the outhouse and fuck yourself, hey, okay, if you're you going to keep I, up with that. Hey, I'm just trying to stick up for myself, don't you know? <laughs> okay, hey, now you're talking about my family. I thought we were doing Canadian, not Minnesotan. <laughs> no, it's always You have Minnesota. crossed the line. You have crossed the line. It's always Minnesota and western Wisconsin because... <laughs> Wisconsin? Yeah. Hey, I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, y'all ever heard of Primer 55? <laughs> Did I ever tell you that I saw them at a yes. small bar? And it's just oh, funny God. that as much as you hated all that shit that I used to be into, you've seen way more of it, like... <laughs> than I ever will. <laughs> Wait, what? What? I, I, you cut out on something. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, I was saying with all that that new metal shit and rap metal that I used to be into, it it's just insane to me that you've seen way more of it, and up to a point where I will never see near the amount that you will see that you have the, seen. The reason for that is that it's extremely popular here. I mean, like, that night that I saw Primer 55, it was a free show that, you know, my friend's friends were playing at. He's like, hey, we're going to go do this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to not like this. It, like, <laughs> And then you so didn't much... like it. I, I know. Spoiler alert. It was terrible. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's just, it's so popular around here. If I don't want to drive an hour and a half to go see a show or, like, if, you know, I'm trying to be friends with people because so many people around here are so entranced in this. I have to involve myself with it. <laughs> and it's fucking torture. And, you know, it makes me look like a bigger asshole than I am because of the fact that I have to be like, I don't like this. I, I just want to make it clear that I'm not here because I enjoy this. And people are like, yeah, we get it. You like good music. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah, you're like, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> What's wrong yeah. with you assholes? <laughs> yeah. You know, you need to do, you just need to, you just need to turn it around and then be like, hey man, I'm not conforming to your society. That's what's <laughs> happening. You know, honestly, I do think this is all punishment for how mean I was to like you and Eric. You know, honestly, it's, it's this is fucking karma because why else would I get stuck in such a shitty ass town with such shitty ass taste in music? Oh man, it's fucking. It's just serendipitous, is what it is. Yeah. Oh, anyway, Lord. let's uh, let's uh, start thinking about wrapping this thing up here. Do you have anything else to say about the album? No, nah, man. Just that it's one of my favorites, but we already knew that going in, and I'm just reminding everybody coming out the other end here that it's just, I think it's fucking fantastic. Uh, odds are you've heard this album if you're listening to this podcast, but if you haven't, go do yourself a goddamn favor. Get over yourself and listen to this shit. It's amazing. I love it. What do you? Yeah, I, I have to say that you know I was very surprised. I shouldn't have slung to really give the whole thing a listen. Um, I I think at that time, especially in my life, that was it was really hard for me to uh, give a lot of credence to anything that was put out, uh, you know, in a mainstream way. But I mean. I, it, it, you know, it was, it was, um, uh, it, it, I mean, I, I was missing out, you know, it really was only hurting myself by not <laughs> listening to it. So it happens. It happens. Yeah. Well, shoot, John. Um, if that's it for you, that's it for me. 
All right. Well, uh, before we go, we might as well an- announce the next album. All right. Real quick, um, I do want to say thank you to Victor for hanging out in chat today. Thank you for Tunable Art, who isn't in here, to ask come in and ask me who I'm talking to and then leave before he got an answer. So that good good job keeping yourself informed there, Tunable Art 74579. <laughs> but what does, does that person ask who you're talking to? Uh, somebody I've never seen before. I'm just joking about it. Oh. Somebody came in the middle of me talking and said, who are you talking to? Like, I'm going to stop saying what I'm saying and be like, John! <laughs> hey, person I've never met. Yes, I will answer your questions. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thanks for hanging out and chat there, Munzo. I much appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, John, why don't you lay on us what it's your pick, so lay on us what the next album will be. The next album is going to be the, um, I think it's 70, either late 77 or early 78 classic Rocket to Russia by the Ramones. Hey, oh, let's go. Even though I know yeah. that song's not on that album. <laughs> you know, you you could have just not mentioned that and let people think you're an idiot. Uh, like, yeah, now I want to sniff some glue. <laughs> yeah, these are is all that so- songs. Is that, that song on, on that album? album. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, now I guess I just gotta go back to rock and roll high school. Yeah, oh. not on that album either, Tannis. <laughs> well, don't I want to be sedated? <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> until next time. <laughs> until next time. This is me. That's John. We're saying thanks for listening, and we'll catch you when we do our Rocket to Russia episode. Good night, everybody. Goodbye.